Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes. Without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. All right, let's find out. Who was right. Who was wrong. And who is dead. So for anything we're about to say to make sense to anyone, I think we need to tell people what the resonant show is for Shakespeare and Hathaway that we're doing this episode. Sure. It is William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. Which Jessica famously has put a moratorium on seeing. Yeah, I I really don't need to see it again. Right. She has even gone so far as to put an appeal into the podcast adjudication board that we should not do this episode. Right. Well, (laughs) you said... This play, all you need to do is say the words. I, like I agree. Like if you 90%, say ninety percent, okay, fine. Okay, so this is one of the last plays I ever read of William Shakespeare, and part of the reason why it's the last play I ever read is because I saw it. Like I saw it so many times, like starting in high school at speech and debate. What? what? Yeah, you'd get you'd get like speech and debate, like comedic interpretation. You'd get like these high school kids standing up and like doing the rude mechanical scene for. But there are four people in that. That's exactly that's why it's a good choice for like the speech and debate crew. So you can just be like, look at all the different characters and voices I can do while I'm still wearing a blue blazer. One person. One person would do all four in a blue blazer. Usually in a blue blazer. Usually you wore a sports coat and a tie. Yes, maybe it was black or blue. But yes. (laughs) So Pyramus and Thisbe. Yes. And the whole death scene is played by one. Person. This is my hand, uh, a chink in the wall. And yes, all of that. Just this by... lantern is the moon. My This dog, my dog, my dog. Yes. <laughs> yeah. and it, but it would work. It would work. I would sit there and we would all be laughing. So yes, really? I, yes, I, th- I, I think that this is like, uh, yes, 80%. If you can say the words and know what the words mean, you're 80% there and it's going to be great. I just, I don't, uh, I know. <laughs> I saw the RSC do this show. It was terrible. I was paying so much attention to the color changers. This was a long time ago. And so color changers were on a scroll and they would have to heat up before they actually changed anything. So they would have to call the queue before the scene was over. And so I was sitting down front and I knew I saw (laughs) I saw the guy who was playing Oberon look down at me when I was like, oh, God, here we go. (laughs) Next scene is like as it like heated up. And then sure enough, scene (laughs) couplet, (laughs) you know, ending scene couplet and then (laughs) new scene. So bad. So slow. Beautiful, actually. It was a beautifully designed production, and I think the set designer was actually somebody famous, but uh, so awful. So the Erotic Heritage Museum was another place that we saw it, and that was terrible. Yes, that was legit terrible. That really turned me off. And And then I did it in high school. I mean, it was a high school production. We did our best. I played a fairy. That's oh, That was, like, the worst acting job. Like, I... I Oh, so terrible. You, it wasn't a transcendental experience with Robert Sean Leonard as Puck going through everything? Oh, no. No. Robert Sean Leonard? He, oh, in... Dead Poets Society Dead reference. Poets Society. Sorry. Is that... He does A Midsummer Night's Dream mm-hmm. in that? Yeah. He goes against his father's wishes and is in Midsummer uh, Night's Dream. I, I think I watched that movie and was like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. That was just, you should have listened just a bad to your dad <laughs> just for that part. Just for know? this play. Done any other play, <laughs> but this play, no. Maybe you do King Lear or Hamlet. <laughs> then I'd be like, yeah, your dad should suck it. <laughs> you should be an actor. It's fine. 
But And you have completely blocked out the version that we saw at Utah Shakespeare Festival. I guess I have. Because you say that there was a really beautiful costume. It like was Titania gorgeous. was Titania's wearing a really costume beautiful... was it was gorgeous. It was a good show. <sighs> were the the theatrical were the mechanicals fun at yeah, the end? Everybody seemed to enjoy it. It was a fun show. Yeah. I guess there's also an element where you kind of want even more at the end there, but then you're also kind of tired after yeah. watching the whole thing. Even when they cut out all of Aegeus's speeches, which are so long, that guy, whoever played that pl- that that part originally, mm-hmm. must have been no. Like, I get all the amazing, lines. yeah, and or that must have been the time where everyone was like, "Oranges, <laughs> get your oranges, <laughs> spiced oranges." <laughs> and everyone was like, "Yeah, I'll take one. I'll take one." He's going to talk for dog? at least another five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, it turns out that the Podcast Education Board had no pity on you. You're still doing this episode. Uh, No, it's going to be fine because we're going to see Sebastian dressed up as Puck. Yes. I've seen the pictures. Yeah, so I think it's going to, I think it it will be fun. It'll be great. It'll be great. So why don't you tell us, so as you may have inferred from us talking about all these different characters, there is a large cast in this one. Jessica, tell us about the cast. Oh, okay. So the cast, I mean, we're going to have our regular four um, mainstays, were, sure. which is Frank Hathaway and Luella Shakespeare, and then Patrick Walsh McBride playing Sebastian and Amber Aga playing D.I. Marlowe. And then the guest stars. So this is funny. We've got oh. one actress. She's 25 years old now. And this was the last TV or film show she ever has done. So this is her last credit. This is her last credit. So she's 25 now. She was probably like, this was 2018, yes. something like that. Yeah. So that's seven years. So she would have been 18. She would have been 18. So, yeah. oh, good for her. She's in college. She yeah. went to college. Yeah. She was like, I don't need this acting thing. I'm going to use this and pay for college. Yeah, yeah. Good job. I'm good we, for her. She's probably a lawyer or something now. God bless. Good job. Yeah. Then we have three actors for whom this was their first TV role, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, including Marcus Rutherford, who we know and enjoy in Wheel of Time. He plays Perrin, the ah, yes, wolf guy. The wolf guy, yes. Tom Lewis, who plays Dimitri, Dimitri Erasmus in this episode, and this was his first TV film role. And since then, he has been in Discovery of Witches, Gentleman Jack, and he voices a character on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And then Shaniqua Akwak who plays Helen Naderson in this episode. And this was her first TV role right out of drama school. And she has been on a bunch of fun shows, including a show called Wolf, which everybody should check out. And then there are two people who have a lot of experience in TV who are in this episode. One is Anna Wilson-Jones. She has 92 TV credits, including, yeah, like Father Brown, Grantchester, Holby City, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She, her first role was on The Bill in 1994. Okay. Also, Sean Gleason, who plays Ron Greenvale, he, this is- Oberon. Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, yeah, probably. One of his first credits was also The Bill well, that, in 1996. I mean, that's, like, that's practically like the UK's law and order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no. true. You gotta well, cut your teeth somewhere. Gotta say, Sean Gleason yeah. also has 835 episodes of Doctors. Oh, my Lord. Uh, so a week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a joke. That's not true. It's at least a, It's at least two years. Yeah, yeah. 
Also, 119 episodes of EastEnders. That's a week. <laughs> yeah. And he has done a bunch of 10-episode arcs. Like, okay. I'm used to people see, having, like, two-episode arcs or, like, you know, six episodes. I've never seen somebody with 10-episode arcs. But he was on 10 episodes of Father Brown, 10 episodes of Holby City, and 10 episodes of Casualty. Isn't that fun? I don't know. Interesting. Then we've got Darren Evans, who plays a character named Spider. And he was in, he plays a lot of like gawky, tall, white guys Mm -hmm. in in shows. And he was, he is currently, I think, a character, he voices a character on Gallivant. And he is in a movie directed by Richard Iowati called Submarine. I didn't even know that Richard Iowati directed. I didn't know that he did that either. I mean, we loved him in IT Crowd. Is it The Traveling Man? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So Hilarious I'm super comic excited actor. To, I'm glad, yeah. yeah, to go look that up. Submarine, if you want to check it out. And then there is an actor, Ashe Akhtar, and he has a lot of prestige shows in his background, in his credits, including three episodes of Shakespeare and Hathaway, actually. Ooh. So he was in the premiere in the pilot episode of Shakespeare and Hathaway. He's in this one. And then he's also in an episode in season two. He's also in Dark Materials. Great long monologue in there. He's in. He's on The Great for two episodes. He's on Sherlock. He's on a show called Man Like Mobine. Yeah, Man Like Mobine is a comedy on BBC TV centered on uh, Muslim characters, and he also guest stars on Murder in Provence and Doctors. His first role was on a TV movie, not The Bill. Oh, okay. But and then we have. And then we have David Cromerty. Okay. Who has 67 uncredited credits, <laughs> Aww, including David. playing a roadie in this episode, an NPC roadie. And then also, <laughs> he has 60 NPC credits. Yes, yes. Also, NPCs like town person and pet mortician. <laughs> oh. Well, David, we're rooting for you. We're yes, for you. I hope, hope you get a speaking role. Yeah, like, hope, just get that line, that just, one just line. Just get that line and get in there and do it. Get get a get into SAG or whatever they call it. What in, is the in union Britain. over there? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know union. Yeah. Union. So those are all the guest stars. We're excited to see them all in this episode, which, by the way, is called "Ill Met by Moonlight." Ah, okay. And in it. So, by the way, I did not do pre-cheating. I totally ignored the very long log line that was on IMDb. And I went to bbc.co.uk for this log line, which is extremely short and has, like, almost zero details. God bless. Good. Frank and Lou must recover a precious jewel and a rebellious teenager before midnight strikes at Lady Beattie's end of summer ball. So not even midsummer, end of summer ball. End of summer what? ball. Yeah, I don't know, but like I'm betting that that teenager that they have to get is the is the girl who never has any more credits after this episode. Oh, I bet she, plays the she probably disappears. Yeah. So we're gonna have to find. Is this is gonna be maybe more of a mystery than a murder? Yeah, that's fine. That's okay. great. We yeah, know, we know what the. I like the BBC because at least now we know what the crime is and when to stop. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Directing this episode is Peter Shapat. Yep. Yeah. Glad to have you back, Peter. We still can't pronounce your name. Peter. Sorry. Yeah. And then this episode, this final episode of the season, Mm -hmm. is written by 
Kit Lampert. I cry foul. See, Jude Tyndall created. See, I. This is it. I'm. I'm Kit. Kit, we need to get in touch with you, and we need to make sure that you actually exist. Kit, are you okay? Are you okay? Kit, just re- like send us a picture of like holding up today's newspaper or something. Do you think he's been stabbed in a, <laughs> a bar fight yes. of some sort? I don't know. Yeah. So we're looking forward to your script, quote unquote, quote unquote, Kit. Yeah. <laughs> this I I. I hope that Jude and Kit are actually having a having a pint somewhere and just laughing hysterically and coming up with the next Sister Boniface mystery together. Oh, for sure. That's yeah, what I hope. Absolutely. Or maybe even a Father Brown. Maybe even a Father Brown. Yes. So this has a lot of trivia, but it's really a lot of it in IMDb is about the names. Like... Ron for Oberon. Yeah, it's a lot of names, mm-hmm. and, and not just people's names or characters' names. Oh. It's also some other naming that's happened, and so maybe we should just, you know, make some hash marks for yeah. like whenever we see something that's a Midsummer Night's whenever Dream, it and resonates. then yeah, I didn't read all the trivia. I just sort of glanced over it. You are really trying. Based. You are really trying hard to stick to the rules. You really want to show the podcast adjudication board that you are ready to be like a member. Yes. Yeah. I am trying to be ethical. <laughs> I by, guesser. By <laughs> yeah. Jessica Hurd, the ethical guesser. Yeah. And I, I, I would love to also come up with some other things that you could guess on, though. But I don't have anything like that. Maybe we could just guess. How many, like, do you want to take the over under? Sure. What's the point? Okay. Set the point for I'm going to set the point at five. So five special names of places yeah. or people. Do we want to say people or just places well, or just people? We could combine it. Combine. I mean, then if it's yeah. five for combined, I'm taking the over. Well, yeah, because we have eight guest stars. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm going to say 10. 10. I think that's a good point. That's where I would have gone for that too. Ooh, do I want the over or the under on that? You know what? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm going for the over. Okay. You're taking the over. All right. So we'll see. All right. Well, let's go find out what happens in the intro here. We'll see you soon. Jessica, I love the BBC logline. It was perfect. Because it's so short? Well, it's so short, but it also told us exactly what the crime was going to be and what to do on it. So, like, all we get, like, there's no no hemming or hawing or watching more or do we stop here. Like, we know what it's going to be. There's going to be, like, they need to find this kid and find whatever was stolen and that's what the teaser set up. So yes, and we there it was teaser, and then that's credit it. sequence. The crime happened in the teaser the title sequence, and we were like, okay, I guess we stop here because we had a sad teenager on the phone, and then we had a crime. Yeah. Point yeah. being, we got nothing, and I love it. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is a good old fashioned guesseroony here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to call it, but all yes. all we've got is guesses. Is what I'm wild saying. Wild guesses. Wild guesses. Yes, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. We are back to our wild guesses on this. My original one was: there's a sign maker who's making one of those brass signs to go in the front of this uh, the, the old historical like whole... manse. Yeah, and he saw the jewelry that was in this fancy house, and then he just decided to come and steal it. <laughs> But and then I was like, no, hold on. No, hold on. <laughs> that, that seems a little obvious. Okay. So while Jessica went full mechanical on this and she has since changed her mind. Yes. I like I also went very directly to Midsummer. Yeah. Midsummer Night's Dream. Only I think so. Again, like this isn't a, it's never a one to one thing. It's just a resonant. It's a, it is what yeah, is resonating yeah. with this. I think they are doing all. So 
let's talk what actually happened in the scene. So yes, the first scene, our teenager, Mia, our 18-year-old who never acts again. Again, good job getting that lawyer. Like, what, what well-deserved. I mean, We're she could be you. finishing college right now in some – it could be an acting field. We don't know. We don't know. But we're proud of you regardless. Good yes. job. In any event, she is sitting on her bed in her room, crying, upset, telling somebody – you kind of think that it's her boyfriend – telling somebody not to come over because she doesn't want to deal with him, slams the phone down, and is very upset, looks over and sees a little fairy doll next to her bed, and then you cut – and then you go to a dark scene, a lady in bed. There's a smash of glass. The woman wakes up and cries out for Mia, who we're assuming is the girl we saw in the previous yes. scene. She's like, Mia? Doesn't hear anything. And then gets up and goes downstairs. The fancy marble, you know, curling spiral staircase. And everything is fancy. Beautiful, like, fancy manse. Yeah, she's got like a, yes, she's wearing her robe and she's looking through all this fanciness. And she comes. Antiques. Com- yes. Like, yes, antiques yeah. and art and just lovely things to look at. And she comes upon what's that called? It's not really. Is it a credenza? Is it, it's not uh, a credenza. It's not really a credenza, but it's a, it's like an a glass display. Case, it's like a glass display, display case. case, and yes. it's been smashed. There is a pillow inside of it, and you are like clearly whatever is supposed to be on the pillow is missing. It's like yeah. perfect size for a tiara, but she clutches her neck. She like puts her hand yes. on her neck. So I think it's a necklace that got stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sure. right next to it is the same fairy doll that was in the daughter's room. Yeah, and at first she clutches her neck like, oh, no. And she feels – she looks like sad and just kind of a little distraught. And it doesn't feel like jewelry sadness. Like this, I'm yeah. sad the jewelry is gone. This makes me distraught. But it, it, it there's, feels like there's some other emotional resonance going on there. But then when she looks over and sees the doll – She gets pissed. She's pissed. She's so angry. Yeah. So what the heck? Yes. So that is where we're at. That and so this is why like you went full mechanicals. I'm going full lovers in the forest. Yeah. Mashed up with the fairies. Yeah. So I so I think that like I think one of her friends, maybe her boyfriend, like is like convinced her as maybe as a prank or maybe not as a prank. Maybe it's like, a, hey, we can steal this and this will like finance our new life together. We just have to escape through the forest and this is how we can pay for like our flat in London and we can be together. So like her and her boyfriend have kind of like done this robbery and are escaping into the forest and maybe like spider or somebody is like following after them or they've got like their other pals like around them as well so yeah so i think they're like both the lovers and the fairies kind of like getting lost because like puck you know i mean he's puckish that's where the phrase comes from he's puckish he's kind of a trickster so you think there's a puck person i think there's a puck person that's maybe the boyfriend that she doesn't want to have come over because she just can't deal with him because let's face it puck is a lot oh that's right because you're conflating the fairies with the lovers correct like yeah exactly i'm just we're mashing them all up together Yeah. yeah so yeah so i think i think they are off on the lamb and that she like he has convinced her to steal this thing so that they can like have a life together and she can be out from under the thumb of her horrible mother or yeah her mother oh. or father or somebody who was like yeah. telling her to like go to school or something which by the way as we've completely said no go to school it's a good thing yeah yeah and you're right her she is she's dark haired and Anna Wilson Jones plays that woman who w- awakes and comes downstairs mm-hmm. and is saying Mia Mia her character's name is Lady Tanya Beatty. Right. Titania. Titania. Yes. So, so that's one. 
Oh, right. Yep. There you go. There's one. There's at least one. <laughs> and Mia is probably short for Hermia. Yes, that's two. I didn't get that, so that's two. I didn't get that either, but that's okay. two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All, right. All right, that's my guess. Heard. What have you got? Well, uh, so yeah, I, I first I was thinking of that whole sign maker thing, but I'm going back on that. Uh, I'm I coming up with wise. something new. Okay, so here's the thing. I have been thinking a lot lately about the themes of denial and acceptance uh, or like Jessica Jessica this is not a therapy podcast oh, oh okay okay but like things in or sort of like plain sight things that are in plain sight hiding in plain sight yes hiding in plain sight right and then I was listening I was thinking about this podcast that I listened to this week called uh, The Retrospectors. They did that. They go back in history and they're like, mm-hmm. this day in history, this blah, 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 yeah. blah happened. And bum, they had this. Bum, bum. Yeah, they had this episode called The Queen Soviet Spy. This was from uh, November 14th. And in the show notes, it says, Sir Anthony Blunt, esteemed art historian and a favorite of the royal family, was publicly revealed as a Soviet spy on November 15th, 1979, when Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher confirmed he had been part of the Cambridge Five, a group of double agents who secretly passed sensitive information to the Soviet Union. Despite his confession, okay, so revealed in 1979, right? Despite his confession... To MI5 in 1964. What? He was allowed to continue his association with the royal household, working as a surveyor of the Queen's pictures until his retirement in 1972. The response in Parliament included disbelief and accusations of deliberate cover-ups to protect Blunt, eventually leading to his knighthood being rescinded. And they think that it's considered in history that his privilege facilitated his His double-dealing, his class facilitated this double-dealing at the very highest levels of British society because it... It, all, all five of them in the Cambridge Five were protected. And it, two of them, I mean, he was in the royal family yeah. as a Soviet spy. But two others in the in the Cambridge Five actually rose like really high through the ranks of British intelligence after the war. The, the British kind of wanted them around uh, and and talking to the some of the British and MI5 wanted them to be speaking to the Soviets because... Uh, Winston Churchill was really afraid of passing okay. any information to the Soviets. Okay, now we're going. But, All right, okay. bring it home. Bring it okay, home. Okay. Okay. Anyway, the point is. The point is, you think a the, Russian spy stole this? No, no. What I think is, so there, there's this guy, this character, this actor who I mentioned. He was on 835 episodes of Doctors mm-hmm. and 119 episodes of EastEnders, played by Sean Gleason. He's playing a character, Ron Greenvale or Oberon, Oberon yeah. right? Yeah. That's three. Yep. He, I think he is going to be somebody of like privilege, class, that has been around this family of Lady Tanya for uh-huh. a long time. And they're going to know that he has a thiefy background, thievery in mm-hmm. his background. But they're just going to be like, yeah, but we keep him around anyway. It's just fine. <laughs> and No, no, he's he's totally fine. He's one he's one of us. He's, he's one of us because Sure, he's he's, but he's like gentry. He's good for it. Yeah. And so the mother, lady, you know, when she's we saw the scene in mm-hmm. the, the cold open in the teaser where she is like clutching her neck and she's yeah. feeling sad. Oh no. And then she sees the fairy doll and 
she's getting angry and we think, oh, she probably is going to point, she's going to hire Shakespeare and Hathaway to go after, this is my guess. Oh, she is going right. to hire Shakespeare and Hathaway to go find her daughter and she is assuming that the daughter and her boyfriends or the various young people that she is hanging out with have convinced her or she has convinced them or whatever. They're right. all in league to get even, a little even gang though there's this, of even rich though kids there's this... stealing this jewelry from her. And she's going to be pointing Shakespeare and Hathaway like, find my daughter and you'll find this jewelry. That's what I think is going to happen. But all the time, Shakespeare and Hathaway are going to do all this research and they're going to interview and then they're going to realize like, this is going to embarrass Frank, that it's just a bunch of kids in lovers quarrel and they're completely innocent and they're just and running away. Guy. And it's this guy in the in the the family household who's done who did it so he all he, the and they he planted yeah, yeah he planted the fairy there to get the mother off the scent and put it on the daughter that's as my a, guess okay yeah hmm i like that i like that a lot i have one more twist to it though i'm going to change i'm going to change my guess a little bit here okay i am going to guess i don't think he actually did the crime I like I like your idea of this person like doing all the redirect and everything on it. I I'm betting that he I am, I think you're right. I think he was responsible for it. I think this wrong guy is responsible for it. I think this wrong guy is the one who stole it. But I think that he like manipulated the kids, like because they're kids, they're dumb, and it's just like I think he manipulated the kids and he had the kids steal it for him. So he's the mastermind and he's the one who wants it in the end. But oh. I think he had the kids do it for him. Okay. And again, the whole okay. like Oberon Puck like fairy relationship thing. So I think he's the mastermind and behind it all. But I think okay. Puck. And the kids actually did the stealing. That's what I think. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I think those are our guesses. All right. And if you want to learn more about this whole Soviet thing, they spell it out really well in the Imitation Game, that movie with Benedict Cumberpatch. Wait a minute. We got to watch the retro. We got to listen to the retrospectors and watch the Imitation Game. Well, it's it's a really good movie, and I think he did he win the Oscar for that, or he I was definitely no nominated was for it. Yeah, a couple people were. And, you know, the guy – we watched that show called – was it Vienna Blood? Mm -hmm. The guy who is the lead in that, the young man, mm -hmm. um, he is in Imitation Game as well okay. with Benedict Cumberpatch. And so when I was watching the movie, I was like, this guy is super familiar. And I was like, oh, because we watched him in our, for our podcast. Yeah. So I just talked about a podcast in a podcast. Yeah. Just, just like A Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is great. And a movie. I talked about a podcast and a movie inside another podcast. Snake is truly eating its own tail. <laughs> we'll go watch this and figure out who's right. <laughs> See you soon. All right. I won nothing. <laughs> you won nothing. That's well, That is not entirely true. Oh, Yes, that is not entirely true. So we both got it wrong on our guesses about what was happening. Turns out that Mia did, in fact, steal it, but she was not under the influence of Puck. And That's true. That is true. And Ron kind of, Ron wasn't exactly the mastermind behind all of this, but he did have some influence in getting Mia to come with him. There's, he, he did? He did. He like he. So here's the deal. Lady Bede. Thessaly. No, not Thessaly. She lived in Thessaly Hall. Hall, right. Her name was Tanya, Tanya yeah. Bede. She did, in fact, like Titania, like Oberon, she did, in fact, have a thing for Ron. 20 years ago, they consummated their thing on the in the very first end of summer ball. 
and their consummation led to Mia. But Mia didn't know about this. Nobody knew about this because Tanya didn't tell anybody. Because Mia, because Tanya, Lady Tanya, was married to a man. Sean, um, I think something like that. And then uh, it, I don't think it was Sean. But, uh, but she maybe. was married to somebody who she was married to somebody. She was married to the Lord. Yeah. And so she. And not meaning Jesus. Yeah, meaning. not meaning Jesus. No, married to the Lord, Lord of Bede. the Manor. Yes, Lord Bede. She was Lady Bede, but Lord Bede must have. Lord Bede, in fact, did know because Lord Bede was quite gay. Yes, and Tanya was his beard for twenty years. So yes. this like smoldering romance between Ron and Tanya has gone on for twenty years. Mia found out, did some DNA testing. And found out without that, permission. Without permission. So her father, her quote unquote father, died recently. Yeah. And on his deathbed, told her that she wasn't his child. She was somebody else's child, and he didn't know who. And Mia noticed that Ron and Tanya had a thing for each other and some smoldering things. So she grabbed, took some hair from his comb. And took it to get get DNA tested at a, a hospital, hospital, which is when she found out that Ron was her dad, and she started arguing a lot more with her mother. Yeah, and so what she decided she, she had been lied to, right? And Ron had decided. So twenty years on, nothing had happened. He was decided he was no longer going to stick around and do these affairs for her. He was going to this the house. Party. And, this party, yes, affairs. right. Affairs would be a bad word. Or, or not a bad word necessarily. In the in this context, it in makes this, it difficult. It's confusing. Yes, it's it a just confusing means an word. Event. <laughs> yes, the, a confusing word. That is a better way to put it. A misguided word. In any event, he's going back to Spain. Mia decides that she's so angry at her mother for keeping this from her. She decides to steal the most priceless thing her mother has, which is this heart necklace. What's it called? Love and idleness? Yes. Yes, which is, for all of you clever listeners out there, you already know one thing that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, It's called love and idleness. But it turns out the necklace isn't worth anything. It's just paste. It was just priceless to Lady Tanya because Ron got it for her 20 years ago. So she is still in love with Ron. But meanwhile... Love and idleness is the name of the flower that the potion comes from in A Midsummer Night's Dream that... Oberon tells Puck to go get in order to get Titania to fall in love with an ass and to well Puck puts it in the wrong lover's eyes. Puts it eyes in the wrong lover's eyes, and, but and so the wrong lovers fall in love with each other. Right. In any event, so Mia decides she wants to go with Ron to Spain. Ron is like, I don't have any money to support you. She's like, Well, I'll steal this necklace and hawk it for cash, and then I'll be able to pay my own way. When that doesn't work because it's worthless, she decides to up the ante a little bit and like blackmail Lady Tanya to give her 50,000 pounds and then she'll just go with Ron anyways. Yeah. And Frank and Lou figure all of this out. And in the end, Ron and Tanya are reunited and Mia is happy and everybody's happy and there's a lovely little dance scene at the end. Yes. So. End of season End of season dance couple things one i was not i mean i don't get me wrong i didn't win i didn't win but i wasn't completely wrong like ron kind of was like ron Ron, actually take that back ron wasn't the mastermind behind this at all but he definitely but he definitely had some knowledge that mia didn't yeah and mia wasn't even like tricked into stealing it from puck she was behind it the whole way all the time so you're right i was we were both completely wrong (sighs) there was no sign maker there wasn't. There was no sign maker at all. No, <laughs> and there wasn't even a lot of mechanicals. There was definitely a lot of lovers. 
There was a lot of like, yes, like Mia was dating Dimitri, but Helen was also in love with Dimitri, which is very much like the play, very much like the play. And yeah, it was. And Dimitri wanted to marry Mia, but Mia didn't want to marry Dimitri for a hot second. You thought maybe that Mia, like the other man in Mia's life was Ron. But yeah. And then we also thought that she was with Lee. Our guy from Wheel right, of Time, from Wheel of Time, but he which was is a just, Lysander name, yes, like a derivative sort derivative of. of Lysander. But, uh, he but was I just thought there. that was interesting that yeah. his name is Lee, mm-hmm. which is an L in Lysander, right? But not at all like Lysander. And as it turns out, because we're spoiling everything, she never, Mia never dated or wanted even or fell in love with or anything with yeah. Lysander. He was just a he was just a convenient pawn in her game like literally he was just, took the necklace to the pawnbrokers <laughs> i wish i could claim credit for being that thinking that far ahead and making that joke that just came out well here's another joke hit me when frank says to sebastian he's like giving sebastian assignments mm-hmm. and then he says so go to the pawn yeah, it's store pawn. Go to the pawn he store. says oh lucky me he's like no, the pawn brokers. Yes, not the pawn stuff. Because of the accident. Yeah, don't go to or the pawn stuff. Yeah, pawn, 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 pawn. Go to the pawn store. Yeah, Sebastian. Like, I think he has three costumes in this. He episode. has at least three costumes in this episode. He's dressed up like a Roman centurion in the first. Which bit. was fantastic. It's a great little physical bit. He's yes. on the phone. He picks up the phone to make a call, and he has to lift up the little metal ear flap of his Centurion helmet. Yeah. And then he puts it down when he gets off the phone. Yeah. Priceless. Yeah. So good. And then later on, he goes to the pawn, pawn broker and has Comes to- back wearing this like fur coat with like a nice fur collar yeah, on it. But it's fake. It's fake, he fake, says. Fake, he says, yes. Yeah. Uh, he had to buy something in order to get, to the, get the information. To get the CCTV footage. Oh, yeah. the footage. Right, yes. right, right. And then he has an incredible fairy costume because he is He's a cater a waiter. Yeah. Server. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to take a step back from this because this at is- At the party. At, at the, the party. Yes, at the party. The at, at the Again, at the end of summer party. Now, I get mm-hmm. that the end of summer might be a little cool. Oh, right. <laughs> I understand that. Even in global warming, it might be a little cool. This was clearly shot in the middle of winter. Yeah, clearly. It, everything everything yes. was dead. It was gloomy and rainy the whole time. And there's one scene where Frank and Luella are confronting Helen, Mia's best mate, Helen. And she's talking to them. And her breath is fogging in the air. It is so cold. Yeah. <laughs> like this was like everything was super duper cold. They did a good job pretending it was summer. I mean, if this was all filmed in order, yeah. this was at best, films in February. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, and there were there were this was, this is the thing. Like when I was coming up with my with my ideas on this, it felt like a very Fagin like, Dickensian like Ron over here puppet oh, puppet mastering yeah, all the yeah. kids and everything like this to get the to get the money on this. This was. Like, this was a much sweeter episode than a lot that we've seen. Yes, it was. Like and the, even in the end, it seemed like end, yeah. Lou is sort of teasing Frank and trying to get him to get up and dance with yes. her. And maybe there's like a will they, well, won't they kind of thing. Well, definitely on Frank's end of things. It definitely seemed like he was looking at Luella in a new light and was like, oh, no, maybe like like as if there might be some kind of romantic attraction. And I'm not sure how I feel about that, Jessica. Really? Yes. I mean... 
I like the idea of them just being a good partner team with each other and kind of like the odd mm-hmm. couple as opposed to I like the odd couple versus the will they won't they is what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. I I like it too, but I feel like they have been edging. <laughs> I feel like they've been oh. edging on this from the very beginning because the first episode she is in a wedding gown. She's supposed to get married and then the yes. guy turns out to be a con man. Mm-hmm. And I think I feel like she's always, I mean, not that a woman needs to be with somebody, but she's she always. She is an incurable romantic. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know that she needs, I mean, maybe this is just me looking at Frank being like, oh, Lou, you can do better. But mm. but, I, but Frank <laughs> is pretty dang, Frank is pretty dang good. But I'm also, I don't, like, like I said, I don't know. It is less about the, less about Frank not being like good enough for her or attractive enough for her. And more just, again, more just about the fact that like. I like their I like their freaking frack odd couple relationship. I don't know that we need to turn it into mm, a yeah. romantic relationship. No, yeah, I kind of agree. I kind of agree. So, but I will also but say I like a will they won't they because it is a lot of who, tension. Who doesn't? It is another way to add conflict and tension. I yes. get it. I understand why they're doing that. But speaking of tension, there is one more thing that I'm sure our listeners are waiting for on pins and needles with bated breath. Oh. The ten, yes. you know, did you win over under? I won the. I you did. definitely won the over. Yeah, you yes. did. And I, there was so much. This joke show about the, was chock full of Shakespeare. Chock block, chock full of Shakespeare for a forty-four minute show based in the present day about private investigators. <laughs> there were so many, like this, really huge, close. To Midsummer Night's Dream. Yes. Like the lovers were all like falling in love with each other and like going back and forth between who loved who. And even at the end, Ron, who is behind trying to get the money for like or at least in cahoots with Mia to get the money, drugs Titania so that she like she can make a distraction so that Mia can pick up the money while she's like distracted with this potion frank has to put her into bed and she falls hard for frank frank the jackass yeah because he's like belching and he has slurping been belch- his tea. all episode i'm like why are you like he they were leaning hard into the physical comedy in this yes. episode i'm like why are you doing this and it's like oh no because he's the jackass like he hits his head going into spider's boat twice yes. like that's a recurring <laughs> bit that, so spider by the way, Spider oh. is not one of the one of the fairies. fairies. Or... I mean, he's kind of named after Cobweb. Yeah, yeah. But he's not like one the of them. He's not one of the mechanicals. He's not one of the stagehands no. setting up the party. Well, he is kind of a mechanical because he is doing the cyber sleuthing for them. Right. Okay. And he helps them set up their earpieces. Their earpieces so at they the end. Stay seconds. in touch. Right. Even though they're in different rooms. Okay. Fine. He's a little bit of a mechanical, but he's not with a Lee mechanical. He's not yes. literally building this thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yes. Like, Frank goes and visits him on the boat and, like, coming in and leaving, he hits his head. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, well, and you also made the point that Spider is... World Wide Web. World Wide Web. So, he's in Spider... Yeah. yeah. So, Because he searches he searches the dark web to find information about Mia's life. Good for job them. with a puns kit. Kit. Jude. 
Kit, <laughs> Kit slash Jude. We'll figure this out. We'll get to the bottom of this. Yeah. And then there was also a quote from Romeo and Juliet, but soft, what light through yonder breaks. Sebastian sees Lou and Franks standing on the balcony. Another little nod to the fact that maybe there's something going to be something oh, romantic right. going on yeah, between the two of them. Of course. I didn't even think about that. The taxi that they come in on is the taxi company is named Touchtone. Right. AJ, <laughs> our guy from the first episode and in the second season, yeah. he is the taxi driver. That yeah. is where And they reference him up. actually in other scenes without the actor. Yes. <laughs> Frank gets out of the red car, but you never you see, never see the, the actor. You never see the actor. Like, Thanks, AJ. AJ is like, the mm, character's paid, name. paid him. Hopefully he had another job at that time and that's just why. Right. And then, oh, yes, I just said the necklace is named Love and Idleness and named after that flower. She is po- she is given a potion. She seduces Frank, a jackass. Lee is kind of like Lysander. Oh, at one point, Lou says, we're the dream team. Right. I'm like, oh, okay. There was also a, a couple different nods to All's Well That Ends oh, Well. there were, yeah. They, um, so they go to talk with Helen, Mia's best friend, and Helen is a rowing, sculling teacher. Is that called Coxswain? The when Coxswain. you're the leader the, no, of the well, team? No, well... I don't know exactly. I'm not sure if the coxswain is actually the captain or not. The coxswain is the person who sits in the back and does the cadence, stroke, 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 Mm, and steers. But I'm not sure if they're necessarily the captain. Okay. And Helen is definitely a teacher in this sense. Like, she's definitely, like, teaching her team how to do this. And, like, as they're lifting their boat out of the water. But the boat is named Lady Rosalon. I I forget. I forget. It's I'm, not Rosalind. It's not but Rosalind. It's, a Italian it's, the, it's take the Italian on... version of Rosalind. <laughs> Rosalind, Rosalind, however it is, however you pronounce it. The boat Rosalind. is named that. Yeah. And then at the end, when Mia comes back and Ron is with her and Lady Bede is dancing with Ron, Lou, like Frank is like, maybe you could pay us. And Lou's like, it's okay. All's well that ends well. So there was another, the couple yeah. little. Because Lady Rosalind is from All's Well That Ends Well. So right. there's a couple little... All's Lady well Rosalind... Well. well, Lady Bede says, I owe you a debt of gratitude. And Frank says, your 10000 would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was a fun line. So there was a lot of references here. It is a pretty dreamy ending. Oh, okay. I noticed something else if I can talk about this. I haven't Please. really talked to you about this before. This episode doesn't... Is this... I wonder, are they trying to be kind of Shakespearean? Because they never say out loud that somebody had sex. They're, they don't use the word sex. They right. don't even use the word gay. They don't use the word abortion. Just that she had a, mm, you know, she does termination. A, a termination, yes. She does and they, But they don't, but they, but you can tell that's meant to be a euphemism. Yes, like absolutely. she doesn't want to say that word out loud. They, they don't want to say, oh, that they had sex. They don't even want to use the word love. When Lady Bede is talking to Ron finally, and she's saying, you're explaining right. her feelings, he tries to get her to say, "Are you in love with me? Is that what you're trying to say?" And she's like, "Well," or he says, "Why did you do this?" Yeah. But why did you do this? And she's like, "Well, I just thought that maybe, perhaps," and he yeah. says, "Perhaps it would rekindle things." And she says, um, 
perhaps. I mean, but she struggles with it yes. so hard. There's so many like long pauses and like people just cannot get it out. When she talks about her husband, the the dead right. Lord Bede, she says, oh, he's, you know, he wasn't, he didn't like. He wasn't into me. Or he wasn't into me. I wasn't me. his type. I wasn't his type. I was his beard. Yes. I was his beard. And they say beard and not, well, he was gay. Or, yeah. And so. Yeah, like they're finding all these other ways of saying saying these things about sexuality and love. But then the final scene, yes, the final, the, the tag, like, like the, the tag, tag yeah. yeah, is Helena in bed, or Helen in bed, and Spider is like, oh, good morning. Yeah. And she's like, oh, good morning. She's still really, got her they head don't on say, the pillow. They don't say anything, but I should say. They just, he just kind of like wakes up. I thought he says good morning. Oh, maybe he does. I don't know. And she says, oh, yeah, I thought she then replies back. And then in between the, her prone on the pillow and him sitting up straight, the, you see a third body wake up and look around like, where the hell am I? And who are you? And it's Dimitri. Just, and it's Dimitri. So all three of them are waking up. Which is, again, like the lovers waking up in the forest all confused as to what happened. and who. Yeah. yeah. What happened last night? Where am I? Yeah. So, but nobody, they can't use the words and they all have to like work around it like uh-huh. they all struggle with trying to say mm, you know maybe she do you think maybe she was pregnant and then she had a you know hmm. and uh i i made me wonder like is this trying to be a shakespeare thing is this like nobody wants to say this on this cozy use these mm-hmm. words on a cozy mystery is it too blunt to say it you know we need to be more poetic when we're talking about such things and then i was also thinking about and and miranda the show Miranda, the yes, mother, Miranda. who's always oh yes, always, always. she always says the wrong things. <laughs> yes, whis- uh, whispered. <laughs> she just she wants, doesn't want to make a big deal of. Well, our neighbors are lesbians. Yes. She's like, mom, you've got that the other way around. The other way around. <laughs> our neighbors are lesbians. <laughs> so silly. And so I was like, is this a British thing? Is is this what we're trying to mimic in? This must, cozy mystery is that keep everything private. Yes, it's private. We can't be. It's just too gauche, I guess, to like they're, they're, use they're the words. They don't overshare like us Americans do. Everything yeah. has to be kept inside. Let's talk about therapy, Brent. It's Victorian. Let's, let's talk about emotional. Let's we talk can't about call it the education. leg of the table. We have to call it a. <laughs> You're right. It's very. <laughs> we have to. We have to cover up the legs of the table. Otherwise, people might think suggestive thoughts. <laughs> That's a great name for a podcast, Suggestive Thoughts. Thoughts. <laughs> I'm Jacob. Welcome to Suggestive Thoughts. <laughs> that sounds like maybe there's hypnotism. Hypno- oh, my. Welcome <laughs> welcome to my ASMR hypnotism oh. <laughs> podcast, Suggestive Thoughts. Yeah. You are going to stop smoking. You are a strong and confident person. You don't need to smoke. Uh, there was another podcast and retrospectors about hypnotism last <laughs> week. This is so hilarious. I'm just going to mention a podcast within a podcast. All of, all of your retrospectors are just kind of, we're just all colliding right here. I love it. I love it. Oh, and I, did you love the moment too when Sebastian purrs in his new coat from the pawn, yes. the pawn brokers? The pawn broker. He like rubs his face against the fur and purrs on it. He's, yeah. Sebastian is just the best. He really is. I wonder how long it took him to get into makeup for this show. Oh my gosh. That la- I mean, the makeup and the costumes in this last bit, like it was clearly season finale. They had yes. so many extras. A, they had so many extras in like so many ball extras. gowns and sparkly things and yes. everywhere. And they also had like 
not just extras in ball gowns, but like in addition to Sebastian being in makeup, they had lots of people in this elaborate makeup with like horns and face paints and masks and everything. Yeah. Like they, like all the money went out into this episode. Yeah. I will say having done background, fancy dress background work mm-hmm. or fancy dress extra work that you wear your own dress. So <laughs> okay. they just call you up and say, are you available? Do you have an evening dress? Send us a picture right now. And then you go, oh, okay. And you like send them your fancy dress every angle and smile. And then they go, yep, we want that one. And that you literally, your dress and yourself are yeah. hired for it. Not just like you. And they don't dress you. Unless you're in a certain era. And then they have to dress you and you have to go in for a fitting. And you it's even more expensive because they have to pay you for that extra day for the fitting. But yeah, those <laughs> dresses are, they did not pay for. Okay. But well, it was lots of extras. Yes. And as long as we're in Costume Corner, we do have to talk about oh, Luella's yes. dress. Luella's dress. So she is pretty. So beautiful. At the end. So they, they managed to finagle their way. Of course they do into the, yes. into the fancy ball. At the at the end of the episode, and yes, Luella is wearing this very beautiful dress. It's like cut higher in front with a kind of mock train in the back. It's yeah. just it's a lovely dress. So yeah. again, black with pink big pink flowers on it. Yes, <laughs> she's still wearing like a jacket sweatery thing over it because guess what? It's not summer. Guess what? It's February. <laughs> guess what? It's February, and they're filming at night. Oh my yeah. gosh, that must have been. So cold. Oh, yeah. Because they were outdoors. So, again, shout out to Claire Collins, the costume, the costumer on this, costume designer on this, and all the other episodes. Good job, Claire. Yes. Well done. Yeah, agreed. My favorite line. Yes, please. I think of the whole series was actually delivered by Spider. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They go to his houseboat and he and they're talking to him about you know getting mm-hmm. some spy gear so they can all keep in touch you know stuff in their yeah. ears their earpieces yes so they can needs all talk to be to discreet each other. we need to be in communication yeah but discreet and he says okay well it'll cost you and they're like oh well we have money we'll pay you and he says all right well I need to be there and she and Lou says well can't you just teach us how to use it and he says yeah. But I've heard these types of balls are really epic, and I don't get out much. Yes. <laughs> it was pretty perfect. Yeah. It was an explanation. And then Lou and Frank look at, give each other a great look. There were some great looks in this episode. I, I look forward to season two because I feel like there has been – I mean, it's always the first season of a show. You're yeah, trying to figure out, like, how serious do I do this? How – meaningful are things supposed to be how or how much is the comedy and how far do I take my double takes and I feel like they really started to nail it in this and I I was grateful for it too because it's always true that if somebody doesn't react to somebody doing something else it's almost like how are you how are we supposed to feel about that did it even happen how yeah yeah did that even exactly did that even happen and so when frank is slurping his tea we all notice it but we're like well i noticed that is that just a ha-ha joke but then when lou gives him a look like oh my god what are you doing or is just trying or just thinking that to herself yeah it, you're, and you're telegraphing like, it through yeah, all her acting. Yeah, then we're all like, oh, yeah, what is going on over there? He drinks tea. 
just not out right. of a cup like yeah. that? That's what I didn't understand. And I was waiting for him to talk about how this was great, like just good standard English breakfast as opposed to something scented like Earl Grey. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted them to dip back to that joke, but. Right, hopefully we'll come back to that. Yes. And hopefully we will come back to Shakespeare and Hathaway. <gasps> Hold on. What? That we didn't find a food that they ate in this episode. It was just the tea. Did oh they my eat goodness. anything? You may be right. I because I don't think that they, they kept drinking at the party. That's like right. they kept drinking, but I don't think I don't think they had a bite to eat. I think you're right. There was no yeah. food in this episode. Yeah. It was just the tea. Wow. Oh, that's different. That is different. I will also mm. say, before I was you know what? I'm glad you stopped me from my transition. Oh. Because we also haven't given this any Christie's yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I have to say, I love, again, I love this episode. This was a great episode. But I'm kind of torn on how many Christie's I should give it. I kind of feel like I want to give it th- only three because it hewed very close to Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. On the other hand, it completely stumped us. Yes. But is that just because we know nothing and we were expecting it to be more? I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Three or seven or whatever oh, else. You three, do, seven? Three or seven. Like I said, I'm torn. I'm torn between two different poles here. But seven. that's where I'm going. Wow, you, that's you, so you do, high. You do whatever you want to do. I don't think it's a seven. Okay. Where do you I think I don't think a lot of people were up to things. Pretty much only Mia was up to something. It's true. Mia was really the only one doing anything on this. I and mean, it was, Dimitri and, was going to and propose, we knew, but... Yeah, and we knew it was Mia from the beginning, and there weren't any curveballs thrown at us. In fact, we, like, the only reason we didn't guess Mia is because we expected there to be a curveball on this. Yeah. Like, the, the crime on this was very straight ahead. The backstory was where yeah. everything kind of came to be. Yeah, so. and I mean, that's worth a couple Christies, but I don't feel like it was... So, yeah, I would say, me, I... I was going to say four, but I feel like that's even too generous. So I can, I can stick with the four. I, I, I kind of would say three. Three? Actually. All right. We'll go with three. We'll give it three Christies. Okay. Three Christies it is. And one full season Yay! or series. Yes. Series so we have, we have <laughs> of Shakespeare and Hathaway, Hathaway. Have, private investigators. I always forget the private investigators. Yeah, me too. I, uh, oh, in any event. But yes, we have finished series one of that. We're going to come back with one more episode before we take a break for the holidays. We're still kind of, you know, boosting around a couple things of what we want to do next. But uh, There are so many shows. There are so many shows. But we will come up with a good one, and we'll see you next time. See you soon. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And now we want to hear from you. Tell us your guesses, your scores, and your suggestions for what shows we should watch next. Go to our website, cluedunitpodcast.com, or email us at cluedunitpodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on Instagram and Facebook at cluedunitpodcast, or on Twitter at cluedunit. And if you like the podcast, please rate us and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcast to help us get the word out, and maybe you'll hear your review read on the show. Want to be a Clue Dunnit private investigator? Leave us a few bucks at cluedunitpodcast.com and we'll send you a personalized, official Clue Dunnit private investigator license. Officially approved by the totally fake podcasting adjudication board in their secret headquarters in a mountain outside of Squamish. We hope to hear from you soon because watching, watching TV is always better with friends. friends.
because as you brought up a couple weeks ago, I made you give up all your guessing juice. <laughs> what? I don't remember you this don't at remember all. remember this? this is really, out, you're heard. taking all my guessing juice, and now I'm not going to be able to figure out the show. <laughs> 